Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show for the week of February 21st to 23rd, 2020. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Welcome to the first episode of the Box Office Watch. I'm so excited to start this weekly show where I get to talk about my hobby of box office analysis. We'll look at the top five new releases from this weekend and what you can look forward to next week. But before that, let's talk about our box office concept of the week, multipliers and drops. So a lot of times you hear about the opening weekend number of a movie as a measure for its success. It's certainly very fun to see which movies have the largest opening weekend number, such as Avengers Endgame with $357 million domestic, or laugh at when movies have horribly low opening weekends. For example, the Playmobil movie last year, which opened up to less than a million dollars, only $656,000 in over 2,000 theaters. So, you know, but the thing is, you can't really judge the movie solely on whether the opening weekend popped off or not, or if it, you know, wasn't as high as you were expecting. Perhaps as important, if not more important, are the week-to-week drops of a movie which contribute to the overall total multiplier after the initial weekend. So, in order to illustrate this, let's take a hypothetical situation. Let's say you have a movie that opens at a million dollars in week one. These are just even numbers for the ease of calculation. So, a movie that opens at a million dollars week one. Then in weekend two, you have, say, 50% fewer t- tickets. So, you made $500,000. And let's assume you didn't make any money during the week. It's just weekend to weekend. So, a million dollars the first week half a million dollars the second week. That would be called a 50% drop, where you dropped 50% from week two to week one. Let's say this movie drops 50% every week like clockwork. So that means in weekend three, you make 50% less than 500,000, you make 250,000. And if you assume this pattern holds uh, for 10 weeks straight, at the end of the 10 weeks, you know, the number so you'll end up at about $2 million total, right? So divide that 2 million by 1 million, and you have a 2.0 multiplier. Pretty straightforward, right? Now, instead of, say, a 50% drop, where you have 50% less than you made last week, let's say you only sell 40% of tickets that you made in week two versus what you made in week one. You would call this a 60% drop. You dropped a 60% total. Starting with that same $1 million on week one, in weekend two, that would lead you to making only $400,000. And in weekend two, three, you would make 40% of that, so only make $160,000 and so on. So your revenue will decay quick, more quickly over time. So by the end of the 10 weeks, you've only made $1.67 million for a 1.67 multiplier instead of the $2 million that you made if a 50% drop. On the other hand, if you say had a 40% drop and made 60% of your uh, revenue week to week, that means that you know in week two from a million dollars, you're making $600,000. And in week three, you make $360,000. So if you add this all up at the end of week 10, you'll have made a total of $2.48 million or a 2.48 multiplier. So, you know, hopefully you got the idea by now, but in short, the multiplier is the total revenue that the film makes domestically divided by its opening weekend. Uh, And this is pretty much a direct result of how much more or less money a a film makes in a particular week versus the week prior. So again, this is expressed as a percentage called the drop. uh, So again, if a movie, if, if this week a movie made, uh, had a 30% drop, that means it made 70% of what it made versus the previous week. Films that have very low drops, so sub 50%, are said to be very leggy or have very great holds and lead to higher multiplier numbers. 
And again, this example has a lot of unrealistic expectations. You rarely have uniform drops from week to week, 50-50-50-50. And of course, movie theaters make money during the weekdays, not just on the weekends. This also doesn't really take into account limited releases where a theater will start out in, say, four theaters between New York and LA for its very first weekend to build up buzz before going nationwide in you know, multiple thousands of theaters a week or two after that. So that leads to multipliers of over a hundred of uh, over a hundred. So for example, uh, nineteen seventeen came out on Christmas in twenty nineteen in only eleven theaters. Um, I think New York and L A. Uh, the total for this weekend was five hundred and seventy six thousand dollars, and it's currently closing in at the time of recording to close to one hundred fifty one million. So that puts their multiplier somewhere at around two hundred sixty three times its initial weekend. Obviously, if you end up actually going back and taking a look at its first wide release weekend versus its total number, uh, that works out to actually be closer to 4.11 uh, as its multiplier, not the 263 number. And again, these numbers also all focus on domestic numbers, not on international numbers, because that gets a little bit crazy with different uh, initial opening weeks and so on. Um, so, you know, in general, uh, and this is kind of a rule of thumb, not anything set in stone, but in my head, I like to look at numbers between 2.5 and 3.5 as average, probably a little bit above average multiplier. In fact, when I looked at, I took all the multipliers for films in 2019 that were at at least 1,000 theaters that, you know, didn't have a super limited rollout, but, you know, usually started off with a fairly high number of theaters and, and, and reduced over time as there was less interest. Um, the average multiplier ended up three, being 3.1, um, excluding, you know, the limited releases. And that 3.1 is right in the middle of the 2.5, 3.5 uh, range. Anything about three, above a 3.5 multiplier, I'd call really excellent. Anything with below 2.5 uh, or maybe close to probably close, closer to 2, really, um, is pretty bad. Avengers Endgame, for example, you wouldn't call that a bad movie. Uh, its multiplier was about 2.4, I believe. So, you know, there were always qualifiers. As far as, you know, drops specifically, if you're looking at a week two drop, um, you'll usually see drops somewhere in the range of 50 to 60% or so. Um, and then usually in the 30 to 50 percent range, most weeks after that. Um, anything significantly above or below this range is pretty exceptional. So let's take some more, some more real-life examples. Uh, Knives Out is a film that came out around Thanksgiving uh, of, uh, of 2019, and it currently has a multiplier of 6.12 times its opening weekend. Um, so its second weekend drop was minus 47%, which is fairly healthy within that, with, uh, you know, actually above that 50%, or less than that 50% drop range, as I said, was uh, pretty typical. Um, pretty typical uh, for a second week. And then seven out of the 10 weeks after that, its drops have been less than 30%, than minus 30%, coming in as low as minus 7% over the Valentine's Day weekend. So, you know, that, those very low drops, um, you know, let, drops lowered, um, not quite as as deep as, as uh, 30%, led to having a higher 6.12 multiplier, which is above, definitely above that 3.5, uh, 2.5 to 3.5 range. Um, on the other hand, one of the bigger flops of last year was X-Men Dark Phoenix. Um, it had a minus 72% drop on its first weekend, well, you know, outside that, min that 
minus 15 and minus 60 range, uh, minus 62 in its second week, minus 48 in its third week, and minus 76 on its fourth weekend, which which was actually the 4th of July weekend when you expect more families to be going out uh, to movies together. So it's not really a surprise that with these massive drops, it ended up with a pitiful, you know, 2x multiplier um, versus its opening weekend. And that's why, you know, people don't consider it not performing well. So obviously, you know, these multipliers are really useful to retroactively look and judge movies on how they perform successful, uh, successfully financially. Um, but what about when you look at a movie that's only just come out and you don't know what the drops are going to be? Well, using multipliers as estimate as estimating tools is a pretty easy way to kind of ballpark the potential revenue of a film. And more importantly, if you know the budget of a film, you can see that the film is profitable. Um, a quick word on you know the following example. Uh, as a rule of thumb, I'm going to assume that you know there's about a 50-50 split between domestic and international revenue. Um, that may change on some films. Some films definitely have a lot more weight on international versus domestic. Some are definitely very domestic heavy. But uh, until we get to that episode talking about international domestic split, you know I'll assume 50-50. And another assumption I'm going to make is that uh, from the budget, uh, you know you can assume I'm going to assume that you know films will spend maybe twice. Uh, basically spend its production budget uh, in advertising costs. So if a film costs $100 million to make, uh, I'll assume an advertising budget of $100 million as well for a total total cost of $200 million. Um, this isn't an exact number. We'll get to that episode about advertising budgets and international splits in the future. But for now, for the purposes of illustration, we'll go with that. So... Uh, let's take, for example, The Call of the Wild, which came out this weekend. It made $24.8 million in its first weekend. Um, so whether or not that's good for this movie, let's take a look at the multiplier. If we assume it performs, you know, has an average uh, multiplier, which can be affected by things like word of mouth, um, popularity, and so on, um, you know, let's say it has a, an average of three a 3x multiplier, 24.8 times 3, puts this at a $74.4 million domestically. So if you assume that, you know, that that 50-50 split between US and domestic, we can double this revenue to maybe estimated to be about $1.48.8 million. So just shy of $150 million uh, for total revenue. Um, that all seems okay. $150 million is really a lot. Um, but if you consider that its budget was $125 million, primarily due to them making the, the lead dog in the movie a CGI dog, um, you know, that's already taking up a lot of that, that, that budget. And if you add another $125 million for the production budget, this film is pretty much going to be a loss for 20th you know, Century Studios. Um, you know, $250 million total versus $140, $150 million total. Um, even if you say, be really generous and say, okay, let's say there's really good word of mouth, um, you know, then Call of the Wild gets a 4x multiplier. Then you get $992 million domestically or, you know, just shy of $200 million worldwide with the same assumptions. That's still less than that $250 million estimated cost of production and advertising budget. So we'll call Call of the Wild, you know, a flop, you know, a loss, uh, you know. So, you know, that that's kind of what you're looking at here. Uh, on the other hand, you know, Fantasy Island came out uh, last weekend, Um of, for, for the so that I'm talking on for this like so on the Valentine's Day weekend, um, and it made 12.3 million that opening weekend, um, and then 
and then it had a 65% drop uh, this weekend from that. So, you know, that's not really good. That's really, that's deeper than the average 50 to 60 range that we're looking for. And horror films usually tend to have this kind of uh, drop tends to be pretty front loaded. So, you know, let's say, let's give it a pretty bad 2x multiplier. Um, that may say 24.6 million domestically. Um, and let's just look at the domestic. However, it's from Blumhouse Studios, and they're known for having very strict, very low-budget films, which is then another hallmark of uh, horror films in general. Also, so if it if it only costs seven million, even if you say it costs seven, let's let's be even more aggressive. Say it costs fourteen million to, to advertise for a total cost of twenty-one million, which, by the way, is less than what Call of the Wild made this entire weekend. You're still gonna profit, you know, twenty four point six minus twenty one million. You're gonna profit three point six million off of the domestic receipts alone, not counting anything from the international box office. So, um, you know, even with a relatively low multiplier, the budget of uh, of Fantasy Island is what makes it, you know, still be a fairly successful movie, financially speaking, of course. Now, again, this also doesn't take into account revenue from streaming or home sales, any deals they make. There's always some way for Hollywood to make money from these from these down the line. Um, and again, this also doesn't take into account if a film has a stronger international performance than domestic. But again, that's a conversation for another day. Uh, maybe in the future episode, we'll take a look at historic best and worst multipliers or drops for films. That's kind of a fun topic to look at, uh, especially if something like that happens uh, this later this year. Um, and we'll also maybe look at genre and seasonal-specific drops. But for now, uh, let's move on to talking about the top five and new releases that we can look forward to this weekend. So uh, at number one, we have Sonic the Hedgehog from Paramount Studios. Uh, this is its second weekend, uh, and it returns to first with 26.2 millions in 4,198 theaters for a 55% drop off of last week's 58 million. Uh, and the per theater average is $6,239. We'll get into some of these terms in later episodes. Um and if you happen to know those, that that that's great. Um, so again, this is a pretty good performance. It's already crossed the hundred million dollar domestic mark. And you know, let's take these concepts into that we just learned into account. Given it had a ninety five million dollar budget, so extrapolate that to one hundred ninety million total costs. If you assume an average three x multiplier and a fifty fifty split domestic international, that puts us at it's probably going to make somewhere around three hundred and forty eight million dollars revenue, uh, which versus a one hundred ninety dollars cost. Um, Pretty profitable. So many people are actually expecting a sequel announcement any day now. Um, once you know, once it breaks past the 144 million dollar mark, it will also actually be Detective Pikachu as a top-grossing video game movie adaptation of all time. Uh, so good job, Sonic. Uh, keep on speeding past. I need to go still check that out. Uh, and number two uh, is the movie we talked about earlier, Call of the Wild from 20th Century Studios. Uh, again, it premiered at $24.8 million and 3,752 theaters for a 6,608 per year average. Again, not a terrible premiere this weekend in all honesty. Last year, we had uh, How to Train Your Dragon 3, which made $55 million. That was pretty highly anticipated, so no surprise it was a little bit higher. 2018, we had Game Night at $17 million, which was competing against the behemoth that was uh, Black Panther's second weekend. In 2017, we had Get Out at $33 million. So again, as we noted, uh, the CGI dog budget blew up, uh, made this way too expensive of a film for it to be profitable at this level of revenue. If they had somehow been able to get the budget a little bit lower, this probably honestly would have been a, a, fail, a mid-sized, fairly successful film. So unfortunate there. 
Uh, and number three, we have the Harley Quinn movie. I don't know what to call this at, at this point, but um, it, it's its third weekend with $6.8 million uh, at a 60% drop versus last week. It's in 3,565 theaters, which is actually loss of 671 theaters, so it's starting to lose some theaters, and about a 1,908 per theater average. Um, again, not a really great performance with the drops that are really too high to be sustainable over the past couple of weeks. Uh, given it also had a low starting point, being the lowest opening weekend for a film in the DC universe, even if you're generous with a 2.5 multiplier and say the 50-50 international domestic split, you can estimate you know off of the the opening 165 million dollars. The budget was about 80 million, so you know. Uh, given give it you know 160 or so um, total cost you know you're kind of uh, you're, you're looking to maybe break even here um, but again they were I don't think that's what Warner Brothers was hoping for this scenario even the most even in this fairly optimistic scenario uh, which is pretty much the same because by all accounts it's been a great film with you know the actresses the directing and so on the audience score you know on, on Rotten Tomatoes and other sites seems to be fairly favorable once you do see the movie so uh, unfortunate. Hopefully, I can catch it before it leaves theaters. Um, in number four place, we have Bad Boys for Life from Sony. Has had a pretty crazy run at five point eight million this week. Uh, uh, I believe this is its uh, sixth week, uh, something like that. Uh, in two thousand nine hundred seventy-two theaters, lost two hundred two hundred thirteen versus last week for one thousand nine hundred sixty-six per theater average, and a minus forty-nine percent drop versus last week. Um, pretty much all of its drops have been pretty solid, actually, at less than 50%. Last week, it only dropped 7%. So, you know, since it opened at 6.25 million and it's made 191 million so far, it's already way past that 3x multiplier. Uh, and it'll only go up from here because, you know, multipliers are only additive over time. Um, since the budget was 90 million, if you assume a $180 million total budget, it only needed to be 2.8x multiplier to, to break even. So that's on domestic alone, not counting anything international. So good job to the Bad Boys for Life. Um, fun fact, I actually haven't seen any of the Bad Boys uh, movies. So I'll probably stream those on Netflix and hopefully catch this on its way out. Uh, we'll see. Um, I haven't seen a lot of movies in the past couple of weeks. Um, I'm definitely not going to be seeing this next one. Uh, at number five, we have Brahms the Boy 2, which is a sequel to a movie I didn't know was out there. Um, it's from SDX Entertainment. It opened at $5.8 million in 2,151 theaters for 2,707 per theater average. Um I mean, you know, we we talked a little bit earlier how you know horror films tend to have small budget. That kind of tends to be their saving grace, which is why there are a lot of them out there. But even with a ten ten million dollar budget, it had terrible ratings, and the horror drops. Looking at next week, um, you know, it just didn't hit where it needed to. Like, if you had a two x drop, um, I expect it's probably going to be lower than that. In all honesty, and a fifty fifty split, that puts it at twenty three point two million dollars worldwide revenue. Um, so you know that's basically going to be break even at this point um you know not yeah like unlike uh unlike fantasy island which we talked about earlier yeah this is not getting there um so you know beyond uh these the top five we have uh some films that had some limited releases uh we had impractical jokers from warner independent it made 2.5 millions in uh, only 357 theaters for 7k per theater average um, we have My Boyfriend's Meds, which is actually a Latino-focused film. So the, the, the actual title is in Spanish. It's from Lionsgate uh, in 350 theaters for $1.4 million. That's about a 4K per theater average. 
Um, and then we have Emma uh, from Fo Focus Features and only five theaters, uh, which had a pretty good $234,000. So again, the total number here isn't as high, but the per theater average is uh, $46,800, the highest of the week, I believe. Uh, we'll get into per theater averages and limited releases at a later time, um, but that actually will be expanding wide this coming weekend. Uh, and speaking of what's coming this weekend, what do we have to look forward to? Uh, the only real ride release is The Invisible Man. Um, this is another Blumhouse film, the same people who made uh, Fantasy Island. Um, industry estimates, um, if you know where to look, put this at about $20 million estimate. Um, if it hits that, that's actually going to be the highest opening of a horror film since It Chapter 2 last fall. Um, been a bunch of stinkers in the horror space. Um, you know... It has a $9 million budget, is typical of a Blumhouse production. So, you know, even if you double that to be $18 million total cost of advertising and production, um, we're just hitting that, even hitting just that $20 million estimate for domestic revenue alone, uh, you know, it's going to come out ahead. And that's just for the first week. So if you make all your money back in your first week on domestic alone, you still have all the subsequent weekends and all of the... Um, and all of the uh, international receipts as well um, to, to make money. Um, and yeah, there's there's the split between the movie theater and the and the production company. Again, episode one, we'll get there eventually. Um, but yeah, um, you know, there are some also some other limited releases that seem pretty interesting. Um, My Hero Academia uh, movie is coming out, uh, I believe, uh, on Wednesday, so tomorrow from when this episode drops. Um, limited release from Funimation. There, um, you know, it's I'll, I'll I'll do my best to try to cover the anime open anime films as they come out, since that's a kind of an interest of mine. Um, we have Dan Guns Akimbo, which is that weird New Zealand film with uh, Daniel Radcliffe with guns stapled to his hands. That's a limited release. Um, I think going wide in a couple of weeks after that. And then Wendy, uh, which I think is by the director of um, one of the indie art films, I get the name um, from from a couple of years ago. Anyway, this is coming out of Sundance. It's a retelling of Peter Pan. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how that does a limited release. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much the box office watch for this week in terms of concepts and top five. Uh, I like to you know, try to wrap up the show with things I've been watching. Um, you know, since I do like to try to watch a lot of movies. Um, since last weekend, I've watched, uh, I've rewatched Parasite, actually. I went to the Alamo Draft House and watched it in black and white. Pretty excellent experience. Um, you know, especially after it won the best picture and see, just seeing a lot of talk online about, you know, the way that Bong Joon-ho used the camera and editing that I hadn't noticed on my first watch through. Going back and paying attention to those definitely added to the film. Um, kind of got on a little bit of a Korean film kick uh, and watch the 2018 film uh, Burning starring Steven Yuen. Uh, pretty art housey film. Um, definitely slower paced than Parasite. So I don't know if I'd fully recommend that for someone hopping around, but if you're in the art house films, uh, Burning definitely would be a, a great choice. It's streaming on Netflix. Also on Netflix is the 2016 zombie flick uh, Train to Busan. Um, I believe that actually will have its sequel coming out in Korea later this year. And I believe I saw news that there was a U.S. distribution deal that just got signed. So looking forward to seeing that. Um, I also watched the 2019 Filipino film Dead Kids uh, by director Mikhail Red, who's actually a, a pretty dope director. I've seen some of this stuff at the Asian Film Fest here in New York. Um, this is actually the first Filipino Netflix original film. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Um, plays into, us again, a lot of the themes that Parasite did, actually, uh, interestingly enough. 
And then, you know, while working on podcast stuff this weekend, uh, I ended up streaming last year's rom-com, Longshot, uh, starring Seth Rogen and Charlie Theron. Um, I missed this one when it was in theaters, uh, but it was definitely amusing enough. Uh, Fire on Amazon Prime, if you have that. Uh, a little bit close in topic to the 2020, 2020 presidential election, uh, perhaps, but, you know, still definitely a good time all around. Um, and yeah, that wraps up this week's watch. Uh, if you have any feedback or suggestions for box office concepts for me to cover, um, or just thoughts about you know how I'm doing my analysis, I'm open to all feedback. Uh, please don't yell at me too hard. Um, shoot me an email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchCast. Um, I'll also post a thread, at least for this very first episode, in the box office subreddit, our box office. Um, that's an excellent resource to keep up to date with all the box office news uh, throughout the week. Um, and yeah, you can leave feedback there as well. Um, right now, you can listen to our show on Spotify and iTunes. Um, and hopefully at some point soon, I'll get the link for Google Play as well. Um, all those links will be in the show notes. Uh, please make sure you subscribe to keep abreast of when the new episodes. I'm going to be aiming to come out every Tuesday. Um, numbers for the show come from thenumbers.com. That's the-numbers.com. Um, our intro and outro music come from the ever-prolific Kevin MacLeod. Uh, you can find out his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing uh, and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Um, until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch. Go watch some movies. Bye.